Second pick, the Philadelphia Eagles select Donovan McNabb, quarterback, Syracuse University. Don't move. Everybody and welcome to another edition of the Boo Birds podcast, the bi week edition of the Boo Birds podcast. Alongside John Sager, I'm Joe Greenwich. John, no Eagles game this weekend. Uh, really, really a quiet weekend. Nothing much to do, huh? No, nah, I, I don't think there was much going on in the world. Do you uh, turn the TV on at all over the weekend? I, I can't, I can't think of why anyone would have done that. To be honest with you, I can't think of when I turned the TV off. Uh, I think it was wall-to-wall cnn from uh, tuesday through saturday and then a little into sunday cnn your uh network of choice i was i was an nbc guy lester holt he's my guy so uh i i had uh i had them on for the majority of the time that i had it on i was also getting a lot of news from twitter or at least when when twitter told me something was going on i then put the tv on um interesting time it is. I did bounce around between a couple of networks, but I think when I need a news network that's going to get me hyper-focused on one thing in a bit of a panicky way, CNN's my choice. Well, we keep talking about the news, so why don't we just jump right into it? Hopefully a, a little bit of a shorter episode today with no Eagles game to talk about. We will have some Eagles talk, and we'll talk about another team in town. But first, why don't you give us an update on all the hard-hitting Philadelphia-based news over the past week? Well, with the Eagles on a bye week, there has only been one game since our last podcast. The Union won that one, beating New England 2-0 and clinching their first supporter shield in team history. And that's the news. Really? Nothing else went on uh, in Philly this weekend? Nah. Hey, John, what are you drinking? Well, because nothing happened this weekend... Prosecco that was purchased yesterday for no reason. Joe, what are you drinking? Uh, a little pumpkin ale from Dogfish Head Brewery, located in Delaware. Been a quiet week for Delaware as well. Yeah, I, I think so. That was What Are You Drinking? Brought to you by Four Seasons. Spring, summer, fall, and winter. Were you expecting something else? John, we're recording on Sunday night. Uh, you mentioned the Union winning their match earlier today. We'll talk about that in a minute, but a little bit of a somber occasion this morning as the news came out that the host of Jeopardy, America's favorite television host, possibly uh, Alex Trebek, passed away this morning after a relatively lengthy battle with pancreatic cancer. Uh, I know we're both fans of the show and uh, very, very interesting uh, dichotomy with as the news broke yesterday, you saw people across the country, uh, various degrees of happiness. And I think we'll leave we'll leave that at that. And then crashing right back down this morning with with this news. Um, I, I know we're, we're a sports podcast and we don't really talk about things such as politics or, or, or television entertainment. But I, I felt like I would be remiss if I didn't at least bring it up, especially considering some of the best moments in the show, at least in recent years, were when the writers would put up a category of sports questions and the contestants would just be completely clueless. And you could see the disappointment on Alex Trebek's face and in his voice as he would often tease them about their lack of sports knowledge. Right. That was, um, uh, those were some of the moments where all of a sudden I sat up in the chair and go, I actually know those questions. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've taken the online test to audition for the show many times over the years. Ironically enough, had my best performance on the test that I can remember earlier this year, just in time for them to stop production for the pandemic. Um, so, so that was kind of one of those things that was very on brand for me. But I, I, I've been watching the show my entire life. I've always been a big trivia guy. And I know you enjoy a good quizzo yourself. So uh, it's kind of like America's quizzo or bar trivia show. Every night 
at least in our area, it airs at seven o'clock. I know it airs at different times, different places around the country, but it's kind of been that one thing that I've relied on throughout the pandemic to say, all right, well, whatever's going on, you know, whatever, whatever you need to do, make sure you're at least in front of the television at seven o'clock and have some measure of, of normal life. And Alex Trebek was a big part of the popularity of the show. He had that, you know, we talked about that sense of humor a minute ago, but also the, the gravitas that he would bring to it. And I, I don't know what they're going to do. I, I, I kind of wish he had had the opportunity to retire and, and hand the show off. But at the same time, I, I, I think I heard earlier today, he was still shooting episodes just a couple weeks ago. So may, maybe this was his terms, you know, to keep going as, as long as he possibly could. So, uh, I don't know about you, but I know that I'm I'm lifting my my glass tonight to the late great Alex Trebek. I will miss him terribly. It's not going to be the same whoever fills his shoes or tries to fill his shoes. I think being the original host um, and just being on for so long, there was a an authority that came with his presence, very old, reliable presence that you just grew so accustomed to. You almost could take it for granted. I know in the last couple of years, ever since his diagnosis, that we had the chance to um, appreciate it. Hopefully, um, he felt that appreciation. Um, but it's the same kind of thing that comes with Jim Gardner, who's been on Action News here for decades. And uh, like Dan Baker, who's been doing Phillies, uh, Phillies and, and or Eagles games for decades, where you just you're so accustomed to that thing being there that you almost can't imagine it not being there. And I know Jeopardy was one of those programs. I think that everybody could agree on uh, where you're, you know, it's, it's the dinner hour you're flipping around. No one really wants to watch a movie or another show or a rerun. So Jeopardy we'll go with that. Everybody likes it. My wife uh, and I have notably loved Jeopardy and been awful at wheel of fortune. We realize those are different skill sets. Don't can't <laughs> quite explain it, nor do I really want to. Uh, but we, you know, we tuned in often enough. And earlier this year, the goat tournament that they had was a, really a high point of television, and it might be my favorite sports memory of the year, which I'm sure we'll revisit in a month. But it, <laughs> it, you know, it was it was fantastic. I have good memories of watching the Ken Jennings run and just being fascinated every night. Just Things like that, little memories, and all in all, just the feeling of just sitting around, eating dinner, watching Jeopardy with with family. So I will miss that feeling of that old reliable feeling of watching Jeopardy and just enjoying a you know a great mindless half hour of being locked in with with trivia. In line with what you said, when I was younger, we would often fight over the television. So during dinner, the only thing that was allowed to be on the TV was the news. Unless we were eating dinner late, then Jeopardy was fine. So the same kind of story here. And and the one positive of him announcing his diagnosis was that he did get to receive that appreciation that that everybody seemed to have universally for him, uh, kind of like a farewell tour sort of thing. So as I mentioned, a, a sad start to what eventually turned into a pretty good day for Philly sports. Well, being a good day in Philadelphia sports, especially on a week that the Eagles are off, we're not used to the Philly football team having a great day. But Joe, I know we've talked about this before. You're a long-running Union fan. I'm sure this this day, despite the earlier bad news, meant a whole lot to you. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where you think, well, you know, the supporter shield is just the trophy that is given to the team that has the best record, the most points during the regular season. And, you know, in the NHL, there's the president's trophy. And and ultimately, it just means that you play at home during the playoffs. But with MLS, it, it's more than just being at home for the playoffs. Those of you who may be familiar with Europe, there is the Champions League. North America has one of those, too. It's the CONCACAF Champions League. The union will be a part of that next year in whatever format that it has, whenever it's finally able to start. Um, they've never played in it before. And and so that's kind of a 
a new ground broken for them. It's a big milestone. It's the club's first trophy. They've been in three U.S. Open Cup finals, two of them at home, lost one in extra time, lost one in penalties. They had a chance last week to clinch the shield, couldn't get the job done. So it, it was good to see them kind of get that monkey off their back a little bit to win, quote unquote, the big one. And I know that MLS will push MLS Cup as the big deal. For me, regular season should count. And to be the best team over the course of the regular season, even a regular season as weird as this one, uh, it means something. And for everyone who was involved with the club and you know helped guide the club in the direction they're headed now, it's a huge deal. And, and it will situate them going forward in the playoffs over the course of the next month and change. MLS Cup final is set for December 12th. It's a Saturday evening. And any game the Union play from here on out, assuming that no bubble situation gets enacted, will be at Subaru Park in Chester. And I, I can't speak for how it feels for an opposing player now when there's only 1,500, 2,000 fans allowed in. That is not a place you want to play when it's full and rocking. So, you know, kudos to them. I don't know uh, how much you got to see of today's game. Wasn't exactly the most fluid, offensive, brilliant soccer, but they were very stout defensively. They got the 2-0 win. All they had to do was win or have Toronto lose. They ended up getting both results. All the games being played at the same time. They knew early on Toronto was trailing and it, it didn't make them complacent at all. They kept on the front foot, got that first goal in the first half, got one in the second to seal it. It was just a very professional performance, I think, by the union. Well, uh, I actually did not watch any of the game. And you might recall from last week, I believe, before we taped our episode, you actually told me not to watch the game because... Well, yeah, you I, said you had turned it on and then uh, they... Uh, they had ended up losing after you turned it on. So I was like, you know what, John, I, I know we have to talk about it on the show, but you need to stay away. I just want to say, like a true fan, I did my part, upheld the superstition, <laughs> and they won. So I you, don't know. You, you can follow on Twitter like everybody else. I mean, I can't. I don't know. I, I need. Do I need permission from you just to to check in? I would like to to watch the local team during the playoffs, but... I also don't want to be harangued on my own podcast uh, <laughs> for actually doing that that effort. <laughs> you could submarine the team and it becomes the Boo Bird podcast. Uh, we've got two weeks to figure that out. Um, the union will not play again until Tuesday, the 24th. They will be at home against either New England, Montreal or Inter Miami. Those teams will all be playing in play in games the Friday before that. The union will have some time during this next couple of weeks to rest, get themselves situated for whichever opponent they may face. That's kind of a, a strange thing when 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 you 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 play the season and you you earn a top seed and it gives you a buy and it's like, well, there's there's other teams in the conference that know exactly who their next game is going to be against. The union are going to have like three days to prepare for their opponent. And there's a chance it's an opponent they didn't play at all this year. Right. And we've seen this all across levels of sport. You never know how that buy affects a team until the next game is over. Sometimes a team can use this to rest, just relax, maybe in previous years go away, you know, take a little little trip and sort of mentally reset yourself. Or if you're Tony Romo and Jason Witten, go to Mexico and draw all of the attention during your team's bye week. I mean, if we could take a week off and go to Mexico, we would. Uh, but, you know, we're not Tony Romo. And I'm sure at the time, even Tony Romo knew they were going to lose the next week because Tony Romo seems to be able to predict the future. <laughs> um, but just in general, we've seen this before, whether it's not an official bye week, even in uh, Major League Baseball, where a wild card team gets hot and bumps off a top seed, the Phillies fell victim to that uh, almost a decade ago. Uh, wow! Just <laughs> has it really been that long? It has been, and you know it's been that long when I had to reach back that long for the reference. Um, but hopefully, this doesn't affect the Union. I would imagine, given 
the way the you know the world is shaping up right now i think they really have no choice but to hunker down and just train for the next match well the one wrinkle with this being an international break some of their players may get called up to their national teams which is usually what happens it's not a big deal when it comes to affecting the games the playoff games won't start till the break is over with the covid situation a player that goes overseas might have to quarantine when he returns so that could affect things andre blake recovering from a broken hand they're expecting to have him back for the playoffs hopefully he will not be called up to the jamaican team he's injured he won't be able to play so that means if he's healthy and ready he'll be able to play jose martinez was not called up to the venezuelan team like he was earlier this year jamiro montero may get called up to play for cape verde that could be a problem but for the most part they're healthy save for Blake and they just need to hopefully avoid too many national team call-ups and they can go into that first playoff game against whoever it may be on a high note um real quick the, the situation there's there's four teams will play play in games in the Eastern Conference the two winners will move on to play the Union in Toronto who finished second and then you've got Columbus in third against New York Red Bulls and you've got Orlando the fourth seed against number 5 New York City FC. The way I see it, John, I mean, winning the Supporter Shield is an achievement and it can never be taken away from them. You kind of have to validate it a little more. I think winning the Shield, even in a shortened season, a season where the schedule wasn't exactly the most balanced, um, I think that validates your approach and everything you've done as a club. But now to really validate your performance this season, I think they need to make it at least to the conference final. You hear this kind of talk in other sports. Well, you know, the Dodgers, for instance, they finally have won the World Series. Before this, they were considered a disappointment despite making the playoffs for like eight or nine straight years, making it to the World Series a few times. I don't think it's a disappointment if the Union don't win the MLS Cup or don't reach the final. But I do think that in the eyes of many, they definitely need to make it to the conference final for it to kind of validate their achievement in winning the shield. Well, I think any sports league this year is going through an uneven competition. I think especially with the NFL. Right. Um, But, you know, it's, it's a bit of a mixed bag. Yes. There's going to be some team that's relatively unscathed that survives their way, but they still survived their way. And that's, you know, to, you know, whether it's to, you know, the a conference final round or, uh, you know, the overall title matchups, you know, it's still, you know, maybe it's, you know, being a very disciplined team, just plain lucky in some instances, but it's still a grind. This year is probably the biggest grind of any league, even, you know, Major League Baseball being a shortened 60 game effort. I'm sure that was the biggest grind that any of those players have had with a hundred fewer games. Um, MLS, you know, was able to rally this year with unique scheduling framework and hopefully the, uh, the union can uh, survive the, pl- the playoffs. What do, what do you think? Uh, what do you think they'll do? I mean, trying to look at it objectively and it was even mentioned on the broadcast today, which, by the way, the Union were on national network television each of the last two Sunday afternoons. How about that, huh? Not um, too shabby. Yeah, as they mentioned on the broadcast, though, that even the Union manager, Jim Curtin, has admitted that they are not the most talented team in the league. That There are other teams with with a better collection of talent, individual players, than the Union have. But their philosophy has been to be the best 11 man unit and and they've they've been that in all their games so it's it would be a lie to say that they don't have a chance to win at all but looking at it objectively i think they really need nashville to knock out miami in that first game because if miami wins that first game they'll come here blaze matuidi and gonzalo higuain are two world-class type players who have joined miami since 
they last played the Union. They played down in MLS's back, and then they played in Chester late in September. I believe that was Higuain's first game with Miami. The Union won both of those matches, but that's a different team. They squeaked into the playoffs, but MLS Cup is really one of those all you have to do is get in sort of things in a lot of ways. So if they can avoid Miami in that first round, they might have to play New England, which would be the sixth time in their 20, now 27 games once they reach the next playoff game that they will have played this season. That would be the sixth time they've played New England. They've won four and drawn one so far. Really wouldn't want to play a team a sixth time. So kind of rooting for Montreal and Nashville to win those first two games. Montreal will have its problems that it will cause for the Union, but I think they should be expected at the very least to get past that first game. That second game, I'm not sure if they're going to reseed, but you're going to be looking at a game against Orlando or one of the two New York teams. Those games won't be easy, but the game will be in Chester. I feel like if it's New York City FC, it's going to be kind of an ugly game. I, I don't remember those two ever playing a match that I thought was thrilling. <laughs> it was just more of a relief to get a win or disappointing to lose and to have not seen a very fun match. So well, at some point, a win's a win. Yeah, <laughs> especially in the playoffs. And that's that's kind of what the union have done the best this year is win matches that they would have drawn in the past and drawn matches where they would have lost. No one is better at losing a lead after the 80th minute than the union have been throughout their history. And this year, it didn't happen. You know, they were able to batten down the hatches and, and seal things up when they had a lead late. They've got to do it a couple more times, but I, I think that they should be expected to win against whoever their first matchup is. Depending on the matchup in the second round, I could see them easily going through. I could see them crashing out. It's it's really going to depend. But ultimately, I think the best team in the East is still Toronto. And if the Union can make it to the conference final and Toronto comes here or Columbus comes here, great. You get them on your home field. But it will be an achievement to make it to the MLS Cup final. And... I would be satisfied on paper with a trip to the conference final. It would be disappointing to lose it at home. But objectively speaking, they've been the best team in the East over the course of start to finish. It really is just going to depend on how they're playing two and a half weeks from now. And they've got the capability to make it. Hopefully they will. If you're, if you're going to put a gun to my head, I'll say that it's going to be one of the top three seeds, Philadelphia, Toronto, or Columbus coming out of the East and out West. I have to go with Portland and Seattle. One of those two teams, they're kind of the top two clubs historically in recent years, LAFC kind of a disappointing year. They had the best record, I believe in league history last year during the regular season. I believe they are a six seed right now. The final Western conference matches are going on as we speak. They will be a dangerous team. But I'm going to go with Portland and Seattle. One of those two teams will take on Philadelphia, Toronto, or Columbus in the MLS Cup final. Uh, that's about as vague a prediction as I think one can offer, but it's about as precise as I am comfortable being. Well, after your World Series picks, I'd said keep up the good work. <laughs> well, I mean, I did have the competitors correct. I just got the wrong result. But if the Union make it to the finals of of the MLS Cup playoffs. Uh, we'll, we'll see what my prediction is then. So that's where the Union stand. We'll uh, we'll talk more about them over the next couple of weeks as the playoffs get underway. John, let's take a break. And when we come back, we can talk a little bit about probably the most polarizing yet most important player on the Eagles right now during their bye week. Of course, I'm talking about the quarterback, Carson Wentz. So get your thoughts ready. And we'll be right back here on the Boo Birds podcast. All right, we're 
We're back here on the Eagles bye week edition of the Boo Birds podcast. John, it's Philadelphia in November. There's no way we could go through an entire podcast episode without talking about the Eagles, right? Some would say it's far too long. <laughs> and and if you're going to talk about the Eagles here in 2020, you can't really go that far without talking about Carson Wentz. He's kind of been his season has kind of been a microcosm of the Eagles season as a whole. It's had moments where you've thought this is the team we thought we were going to see. And it's had moments where it, this is the team we don't ever want to see. And you want to turn the TV off. And Carson Wentz has been at the forefront of that. So the obvious question that people want to know the answer to is where does he rank among NFL quarterbacks? Is he elite? Is he a franchise quarterback? Is he average? So I thought, why don't we answer that question during the bye week? And let's try to do it in less than four and a half hours. Do you think that's something we can pull off? I think so. It shouldn't shouldn't be a problem. We definitely have lots of opinions on, on the matter. <laughs> well, I was thinking we could just compare him to literally everybody else who's playing right now. Like, for instance, I, I think a good place to start would be his own division and Obviously, with Dak Prescott hurt, that changes the calculus, but there's nobody in the NFC East, not Daniel Jones, not whoever Washington is throwing out in any given week, and no one other than Dak Prescott that I think is on the level of Carson Wentz. And I think when you say that, you have to factor in, even when Carson Wentz is bad, he's still, at worst, the second best quarterback in the division. Right. Keeping that in mind i can actually expand this to the eagles quarterback room as a whole and this is probably the fourth straight year i would i would say where they've had the best quarterback room in the division where uh, you know i know that we don't have nick Foles uh waiting behind carson wentz this year but as a whole they have they have depth that other teams don't have and as a result they've been able to weather these poor stretches, whether it's the poor stretch in this instance being 2020, but last year <laughs> uh, they were also struggling. And then once turned it around, played at an elite level for a stretch of time. And Dak Prescott kind of came back to earth a little bit. And then Washington and New York, like you said, it's just, just an inconsistent situation. They do not have uh, either a franchise or backup answer. <laughs> But the Eagles are the least incompetent team in the division <laughs> well, when it comes to that. I don't know. That might be a little a little rough, but it also might be accurate. I, th I think the situation with Zach Prescott is that at his worst, he's not been as bad as Carson Wentz at his worst. But up until the first part of this season, his best wasn't quite as good as Carson Wentz's best either. Right. He's definitely the steadier option. Right. You go out there. I know game manager is a, often an insult. I don't think it's an insult because if you're winning, that's all that really matters. Uh, Wentz, more up and down. So I, I think it's fair to say that Wentz and Prescott are, at this point, equals on the same level. Is, is that fair? Yeah, given the, you know, the period of time. But overall in their career, yes. Right. So if you move on to the NFC North, definitively Carson Wentz is not better than Aaron Rodgers. Okay. <laughs> I think that's I think that's a an easy take. <laughs> no way. Um he's better than Mitch Trubisky. Is he better than Nick Foles? Yes. Evidence in Philadelphia notwithstanding. I, I think it's fair to say that that yes, you'd rather have Carson Wentz when healthy over the course of a full season than Nick Foles. I know that that is locally maybe the hottest take either one of us has ever spit out on this pod, but I think it's fairly easy. In terms of divisiveness, there's no red counties and blue counties in Philadelphia, but there are Foles counties and Wentz counties for sure. <laughs> um, Kirk Cousins in Minnesota, he's generally trash. You talk about a game manager. He's a game right. manager. And he's probably an elite game manager at best. <laughs> you like that? Uh, yes. Um, Matthew Stafford's an interesting case. That's a guy who can throw for a lot of yards, but he's always had injury issues too. 
Right. He's almost a borderline. He's certainly a Lions Hall of Famer. I don't know if that means he's an NFL Hall of Famer. That's certainly a relative thing. It's interesting you bring that up because you say that. And like my first response was just a recoil in horror at the idea that Matthew Stafford's a Hall of Famer. But he's going to have some pretty big numbers when all is said and done. Right. He's been a top 10 QB for most of his career, uh, especially early on with Calvin Johnson. He definitely put up numbers then. I think it's it's fair to say that that you wouldn't put him immediately ahead of Wentz, but maybe he's in that same bucket with Wentz and Prescott, right? right? Exactly. Then you go to the NFC South. Is Carson Wentz better than Matt Ryan? Well, I think it's safe to say, knowing our a certain demographic and our listening audience, that Matt Ryan is beloved by that demographic. <laughs> But I think it's also safe to say Matt Ryan really hasn't done that much in his career. So I'd say we're in danger of Wentz being Matt Ryan overall. But, you know, Matt Ryan's had some outstanding regular seasons for sure, but he hasn't gotten it done in the playoffs. Now, Carson Wentz hasn't actually finished a playoff game. So (laughs) that is also relative. But I'd say, you know, he's right in that tier. Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina. He can be an exciting player. He had that devastating injury and he's been more than competent upon his return. I feel like it's still an incomplete there. I don't feel comfortable judging that matchup. Right. I think he's a he's a solid pro, but I I don't know if I'd say he's anything more or less than that. Drew Brees, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time at this point, and so is Tom Brady. (laughs) If you're if you're starting a team today, obviously you're going to take Carson Wentz purely because he's literally half their age. But if you have one game to play, I I don't know that I take Carson Wentz over either of those guys. I know Drew Brees isn't exactly the Drew Brees of old anymore, but I'm I'm really hard pressed to just oh yeah I'll take Carson. I I don't know. Well, honestly, forget one game if it was for a whole season. I, I would much rather roll with either of them. Now, granted, you're not going to be able to rely on that five or six years from now. But if you're talking about just having a good quarterback, I don't think I, you can possibly go wrong with them. So now that means we have three guys that are markedly better than Carson Wentz in Rodgers, Brady, and Breeze, who also happen to be three of the of the best who've ever done it. Right. So, so there's really no insult there to Carson Wentz. Out in the NFC West... We talked. We compared Carson Wentz with Jared Goff already, just like with Dak Prescott. I think Goff has to get lumped in with all of those guys. Um, Kyler Murray, jury is out, incomplete. An exciting player, but again, very small sample size. Right. He's almost a to compare him to Matthew Stafford, having being a Cardinals Hall of Famer and elite, or an elite <laughs> Cardinals quarterback. It's a very very limited group discussion. Jimmy Garoppolo, sometimes he's good, sometimes he's garbage. Um I, I think Wentz is better than Garoppolo. Would you agree? I'd agree. Now obviously the the last quarterback left in that division and in the NFC is Russell Wilson. Um right. He is one of the the two best in the game right now. Yeah. I know that you mentioned one listener demographic we have. Uh, we may have some fandom with, with with some Seahawks ties. And if we were to slander Russell Wilson on the pod, uh, I, th- I think we'd hear about it. But th- 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 there's no slander coming in this instance. He is definitely much farther along than Carson Wentz. And I would make that trade in a heartbeat. Now, now that being said, I don't know if I want to give Russell Wilson bulletin board material by <laughs> trashing him on this podcast. But if we've tra- if if he does become the bulletin board material, we've made it. <laughs> Can imagine him giving a post game interview after they play the Eagles. You know, these two guys. Uh, <laughs> I think we then have to go and hide. But so that that puts Carson Wentz as at best the fifth best quarterback in the NFC, and I think. If you said that straight up, it might be kind of surprising to people like, well, wait a minute. But then when you think about it, it's like, oh, yeah, I mean, it's it's very clear that he is not ahead of those four guys. Um, And then when you bring the AFC into it, I mean, we can do the same thing. 
Cam Newton is a difficult comparison because at his best, he was the player that you would hope that Carson Wentz could have been. Um, but now, who knows? You know, um, Josh Allen in Buffalo. I think the jury's still out on that. He yeah. looks good at. T- he's almost Wentz like. Yeah, but not in in the good ways. No, I, don't think. I think no. The comparison to Wentz would come from like last year's playoff game in Houston. Yeah, and uh, depending on another part of our listening to demographic, they may be driving off the road right now uh, if, <laughs> if they are driving. Yeah, it, 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 he he is a quarterback that I feel like my experience with some Buffalo fans is that they feel the same way Eagles fans feel about Carson Wentz, except right more negative but he's been an mvp candidate this season so jury's still out much like with kyler murray same case with Tua Tagovailoa in miami and props I, I, to uh that pronunciation <laughs> thank you and i mean the jet situation is just embarrassing uh you feel bad for sam darnold but even if he was playing well i don't think you would say you would take him over the current right. situation and, right now. And honestly, I've been thinking about the Jets a little bit lately in relation why? to the Eagles. Oh, okay. Well, so why put yourself the through that? There, there is a reason. <laughs> One, I'm glad I'm not them. Two, uh, you know, as much crap as we've given, you know, how, or by we, I mean Philadelphia has given Howie Roseman for drafting, which is fair. Uh, Joe Douglas left the Eagles, went to the Jets. They're not doing so well, and the Eagles had, might be having one of their better rookie classes in a little while. So I'm not saying there is something there, but eh, who knows? I, I just I just was worried for you. You know, we have enough trouble with our own football team in town. The idea that you would be thinking about the Jets in any capacity. So it, it's, it's the bye week. <laughs> I've had time on my hands. Um. Moving through real quick into the AFC South, Ryan Tannehill's an interesting situation. He kind of found the right spot for him. Right. But the fact that, you know, had they not had that success and that playoff run in Tennessee, um, he would have been a journeyman free agent already, I think kind of tells the story there. I don't even know who the Jacksonville quarterback is. Do you talk about Gardner Minshew? Uh I believe a fellow named Jake Luton started today. I think it was Ooh. Jake. Yeah. Uh, um, remember last year when they signed Nick Foles to a free agent deal? I think it's safe to say that was a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> and then Gardner Minshew took over, and I believe he he might be injured now. But just a a, a bad situation down there. And then they get rid of Foles, and then he's playing well in Chicago. So, you know, kind of like the Jets, I'm glad I'm not a Jags fan right now. <laughs> this would be a very depressed podcast if that was the case. In Houston, you've got Deshaun Watson, who I think is better than Carson Wentz. It hasn't shown in like team results. I, I, I think so. I, I, I would actually put him third overall in the game right now. Really? Really? Yeah. Interesting. I'm assuming we haven't gotten to number one yet. And when we get to him, we'll talk about it. Right. Uh, and I would say Aaron Rodgers would be the other one in that group, along with Russell Wilson and future name. Interesting. Deshaun Watson. I would definitely put him with those four guys that we talked about in the NFC before I'd put him with the Carson Wentz group. But interesting. The last quarterback in that division is Phil Rivers in Indianapolis. Longtime Chargers quarterback. He is he's a guy who's never really had team success. They've They've been in the playoffs a bunch, and I believe they made a, a conference championship game, but he's probably going to end up in the Hall of Fame with his numbers and his longevity. I would think so, for sure. <sighs> I, I hate to cop out and throw him in that bucket with Wentz and the others, but I, I think what's becoming clear is that there is a... It's difficult to rank players, but you can certainly put them into tiers, and that there is a really big tier of good quarterbacks who are not great. And and at this point, I think Rivers is in there, as is Wentz. Fair to say? I think that's fair to say. And like you said, he's no doubt Hall of Famer. 
eventually maybe not first you know first class um but i i would say him he and stafford are two guys that just by existing for long periods of time put themselves in that conversation it's not like they've had the one mvp year and made it to the super bowl but they've been more than steady pros and they will both have their numbers retired by their respective franchises i i kind of see Matt Stafford, just like the way you mentioned him, you compared him with Rivers. I see him as the kind of guy who can go to a team that is pretty good and be the guy that kind of gives them steady, competent to good quarterback play and brings them to a a level of a contender. That's what the Colts were hoping for out of Phil Rivers. So I could definitely see Matthew Stafford being in a similar role with if he were to leave Detroit at some point. The AFC North is a very interesting division for quarterbacks. I don't think Baker Mayfield is terrible. I don't know that he's very good, but I don't think he's terrible. He is far and away the worst starting quarterback in that division. Uh, I, I don't think he's as good as Carson Wentz. Joe Burrow is an interesting conversation. I know we both were very impressed with him when the Eagles played the Bengals this year. And I think three or four years time, he could be in that first bucket. But for now, he needs to get an incomplete. And here's a hot take. So does Lamar Jackson. He has been entertaining and he has been excellent, but he's been great for a year and a half. He's the kind of player who, if he were to suffer a terrible injury or an injury along the lines of Carson Wentz's ACL injury, what would he be after that? His his play seems to be very predicated on his ability to not get hurt. Right. It, he's he's been where he is for for just a year and a half. I think, you know, if he finishes out this year and and continues into next year as everybody has started to see him and is able to kind of game plan for him, then he can be into that next tier of quarterbacks. But I, I think my opinion would be different had the Ravens not choked in the playoffs last year. Which, which I hate to say, but it's the reasoning I'm going to give in a couple of minutes when we discuss somebody else. I'm just not quite there yet where I can say Lamar Jackson is definitively one of the tip-top quarterbacks in the league just because I don't think he's done it enough yet. I agree with you. It took me a second because it's one of those things that you hear at first and you know you kind of recoil, but then you think about it and you're entirely right because we're not ranking someone from one through 30. Right. Uh, that would, this would be a different story if that was the case. But when I think of elite, I think of someone who has been playing at um, Tom Brady's Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees level for a couple of years. And he has not played like that for a couple of years. That doesn't mean he isn't going to, he certainly can. Um, but he, he's not quite there in terms of longevity when we're still doing this in 2022, we might have a different opinion. Right. So let me ask you if, you know, we talked earlier about the one game or one season, if you were in a one game situation or a one season situation, who would you take Lamar Jackson or Carson Wentz? Probably Lamar Jackson. Right now, how they're playing. The answer is obviously Lamar Jackson, but at the, we'll say at the end of last season, when Lamar Jackson was the MVP and then Carson Wentz was playing like an MVP with no one to throw to, who would I have taken? It's, it's a little, it's, it's harder to to say because, you know, when, of course, when someone's playing well, it's easier to, to say, Oh, they're, you know, they're, they're playing like an, you know, an elite quarterback, but, I think long term, I would I would go Wentz just because I have the memory of the 2017 season, and then also last year uh, when he did carry his team. But I don't think you could go wrong with either. So let's create another tier right below that first tier. That's going to be two guys, Lamar Jackson, and we'll save a spot. And I think everyone knows who we're talking about at this point. But real quick, Ben Roethlisberger, I've got to put him in that first group. Yes, he is on the downslide of his career, the back end. This might be it for all we know. Last year was nearly it. He had an injury and he considered retirement. But I think 
when it comes to leading a team, I, I think I trust him more than I trust Carson Wentz. Uh, for sure. And I think he's actually been a better quarterback in the last few years since when he first came into the league. I think he's what Wentz is doing now, where he's fine with getting hit, rolling out to the to the left side of the field <laughs> and just saying, here, come get me. Um, although Roethlisberger is certainly bigger, but he's just uh, he's one of the more odd quarterback specimens we've ever seen. When you look at someone of his size and his style of play, you'd think he's not going to make it as long as he had, but yet he's endured. He's also another sure thing Hall of Famer. So he would be the sixth quarterback in that top group. Go out west. We'll stop beating around the bush. Patrick Mahomes, widely considered at the very top of the league, but I want to put him in that that 1B tier with Lamar Jackson, simply because, yes, he has a Super Bowl championship, but who knows how he's playing two, three years from now. We're doing these rankings for right now. Yes, he's he's better than Carson Wentz, but I I just, like I said with, with Lamar Jackson, I'm I'm so hesitant to to put guys who have been doing what they're doing for just a couple of years on the same pedestal as a Ben Roethlisberger a Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, even Deshaun Watson at this point. I think Deshaun Watson has been, he has passed that cusp of small sample size. So I think he would kind of be at the bottom of that first tier and ahead of that second one simply because he's done it more. But I I, I, I just, I struggle to put Jackson and Mahomes with those guys simply because I value not being a flash in the pan. And I'm not saying that they're flashes in the pan, but it's impossible to say definitively that they're all-time greats after two, three years. I hear what you're saying, and I disagree with Mahomes. Overall, your the other parts of your argument are sound. I, and I know where you're coming from, but I think what we've seen from Mahomes is still above everybody else. Um, and he's done it for a couple of seasons. He won a Super Bowl. You know, Super Bowls are some kind of and championships overall, I think, are an overrated way to evaluate someone. But I think he's just he's just lights out. And for him to play at a level below that would be a catastrophe for Kansas City. I think Lamar Jackson, like you said, with his playing style, there's a chance that he does take a one wrong hit. And he's suddenly not the same guy. I don't know if it's the same with Mahomes. Uh, I think the other thing to consider is that Mahomes has an elite Hall of Fame coach. Not that um, Harbaugh is not going to eventually get into the Hall of Fame. I think there's a chance he he does. Uh, But Andy Reid is the second best coach of the century, I would say, behind Belichick. um, And he also has that knack for finding offensive talent. So I... I don't think Mahomes is ever going to be in a situation where he's Carson Wentz and suddenly has no one to throw to. So I have no problem putting him in that tier. That's a fair argument. And by the way, shout out to Andy Reid. I believe today he just moved into the top five in NFL history in victories. Um, Hall of Fame coach, the greatest coach in Eagles history. Don't at me, you buddy Ryan stands. I think that's a fair argument about Mahomes. Um, Definitively, though. He is ahead of Carson Wentz. That goes without saying. Real quick, Justin Herbert is a rookie. Small sample size, jury's out. He he seems like he's pretty good. Chargers can't buy a win. Uh, they've had some heartbreaking losses just today. They had a game-winning touchdown overturned on review. Um, I honestly could not tell you who the starting quarterback of the Broncos is. I want to say Drew Locke is the guy right now, but whoever it is not ranking ahead of Wentz. (laughs) The fact that you have to question that already answers the ranking question. (laughs) And then Derek Carr with the Raiders. (sighs) At best, I think Derek Carr is in that bucket with the Wentz, Prescott, Goff, right. Stafford, Rivers, Ryan community. So I think overall the quarterback conversation in the NFL is, There are probably about 
15 top 10 guys. Right. But depending on how they're playing, you know, some might be on an up year, some might be on a down year, but they're all in that 15 to 20 pro conversation. Um, you have your elite tier with Mahomes where, you know, those guys are unquestioned. Rogers is unquestioned, you know, take them as your, you know, your starter in fantasy because you you don't have to worry about them in a slump type of players. But then you get to the next tier where it starts to, you know, to fizzle out a little bit, you know, the further down you go, you know, Tannehill's perfect example of a guy who a couple of years ago, there's no way we were putting him in that conversation, but all of a sudden he's now in this conversation, you know, at the end of last year, Wentz was certainly a top 10 guy now, not so much, but as much as I'm kind of leaning towards giving Jalen Hurts a bit of a look, um, it's not without knowing that Carson Wentz is that good. It's just thinking maybe you have a guy that might be a little bit better than him right now. And you said there's like 15 top 10 quarterbacks. I think if you want to distill it down even further, we've come up with eight who are clearly ahead of Carson Wentz, at least in our eyes. And I think you've got then another seven or eight who are competing for those last couple of spots and are pretty interchangeable on any given day. So I guess the the lesson we've learned here is that in no way is Carson Wentz in the top quarter of NFL quarterbacks uh, at his best. He can go toe to toe with any of those guys, but he's not there consistently enough, but he's, he's far better than, than mediocre, but there are a lot of guys who are better than mediocre. So as bad as we've seen some quarterback play on the whole, it seems like quarterback play is pretty good in the NFL right now. Right. And I think with Carson, it tends to be the, you know, hometown fans view where you're watching your team more than anything else. So you could judge that a little bit more harshly. And I think something like this, just to have a more recent borderline Hall of Fame example with Donovan McNabb, you know, anyone in Philadelphia can rattle off five to 10 criticisms of him, but he's also an incredible quarterback who reached, you know, great heights uh, took and took the franchise to a level of steady success that no one else has ever done. So, right. you know, can Carson, event, you know, revert to being that guy? Maybe. But with, you know, McNabb is the kind of thing, if you look at his accomplishments from afar, maybe on a, a more national perspective, people might have a different opinion of, of him than they do here. Whereas all we can think of is all those Monday mornings where we're mad at, you know, him killing worms on certain throws. Uh, <laughs> so that's the first thing that might come to mind. Uh, we don't always appreciate what we have while it's here. I, I think along those lines, you mentioned Donovan McNabb and the local bias. I think the way to wrap this up is, and I'm not asking us to name them. Do you think that half the fan bases in the league would rather have Carson Wentz than the guy they currently have? I would say probably yes. If you don't have one of those top eight guys that we talked about, if your quarterback is in that bucket where Wentz is, you probably feel the same way about him that everyone here seems to feel about Carson Wentz and would be more than willing to ship out your guy to bring in Carson Wentz. So I think I think the answer to that is that it's it's that you hit the nail on the head. We We will judge him more harshly than he deserves. We'll also exalt him more than he deserves when he plays well. But for the most part, you're your own worst critic. And we're going to look at our teams in a, a more critical light. And that carries down to the quarterback. So as far as I see it, I think the Eagles are in a good position. There could be better quarterbacks, but all told, you know, you'll take him over the majority of what's out there. Right. And with regards to the exaltation, I would say, have you listened to sports talk radio in Philadelphia? <laughs> he could complete 90% of his passes and people are going to complain about the other 10%. So I don't know if I would quite go that far. Well, if we want to talk about exalting things, let's exalt ourselves. Uh, we're at about the midpoint of the season. It's week nine. And we did some picks before the season real quick. Uh, John, your teams were the Ravens, Saints, Colts and Bills. And if we add up the total wins for those teams, you've got 23 right now with tonight's game involving the Saints and Buccaneers getting underway as we 
start recording. I had the Chiefs, 49ers, Packers, and Bucks, 24 wins, but one outstanding. So by the time we go live with this podcast, I could either have a two-win lead or we could be tied at the midway point. As much as I would prefer to be ahead, I think being dead even after going through all of the discussion and thinking and drafting, I think that would be the most apropos thing of all. Are you sure that you don't want to rethink any of your picks in favor of the Jets? Um, you know, I'm happy with uh, literally anything over the Jets. Uh, you know, I thought about asking if we wanted to trade in one of our teams at this point for somebody new, but I think it's just better to stick with the ones that we brought here. And if you look, nobody is under 500. If you could trade one of your teams in, though, which team would it be? I would say actually no one. I'm fairly confident, uh, especially this year. There's so many one-loss teams or teams that are just flat out underperforming that I'll ride with whoever's actually you know been able to survive so far this year. And maybe some teams aren't looking quite as hot as they they were going in. But you know I'll, I'll you know I'll take the positive pick. We've seen my. Eagles weekly picks and how well they've gone this year. So I'll take what I've actually done well. Well, if I was if I was able to trade one in, I think the 49ers would be the obvious pick. Their quarterback troubles have them in last place in their division, still at 500, still in the hunt for the playoffs. But then the question would be, who would I draft instead? And, you know, doing it now, you obviously would take the Steelers. But before the season, did you think the Steelers were going to be that much better than the 49ers? I don't know. So I really don't know who I would have taken instead. I might have gone with Seattle, but I don't think I was expecting them to be in first place either. So I don't know. I, I, I The answer is that I would trade in the 49ers, but I don't know who I would have taken in their stead. But as I said, the Saints and Bucks are playing tonight, and they will decide the, the midseason fate of our picks. I've been kind of interesting to follow over the course of the early part of the season and, you know, pat ourselves on the back that we on the whole did a pretty good job. You know, that could have very easily blown up in our faces. What with taking the bills and the, uh, the Bucks, who, despite having Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski, you know, you still needed to see. So uh, kudos to us. We don't always get it right, but I think we did a pretty good job. Yes. I think we should continue praising ourselves for the second hour of this podcast. <laughs> well, I-, I was actually thinking that, uh, that we, we call it quits there. It's, it's the bye week. We're supposed to give everybody some time off. Do you have anything you wanted to touch on? No, uh, I, you know, looking forward to uh, the, you know the second part of the Seagulls playoff run to see if they can get things together. Um, there isn't a whole lot else going on um, in the Philly sports world right now, especially with the Phillies' lack of off-season uh, job search. But uh, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing you know how the Eagles can come out of the bye week and see if Carson Wentz can make me eat my words and forget about Jalen Hurts. <laughs> well, it'll be an Eagles in Union heavy November here in Philadelphia and on the Boo Birds podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. You can follow us on social media or on Twitter and Facebook. Just search for at Boo Birds Podcast. And of course, our website, BooBirdsPodcast.com. John, do you have anything uh, in your drafts folder for the website? No, I'm still uh, waiting to skewer however the Phillies botched the JT Real Milto situation. (laughs) So we'll see. Well, the way the uh, early free agency economy is going in Major League Baseball, it might be quite a while before we have a resolution to that situation. Look forward to talking about this in March. And uh, before we go, John, you went this entire time without bringing it up. Happy birthday to you. We're recording on what is, what, your 45th birthday? Close. Just uh, take off about a decade. Um, <laughs> with that in mind, I do want to send a similar birthday shout out to my sister. Uh, little little known fact, we have the same birthday six years apart. So I like to say that we're German-Irish twins. My parents <laughs> had the planning down. So happy birthday to my sister. Who, again, six years apart, I won't say older or younger. I think she'll appreciate that. (laughs) Well, happy birthday to both Sagers. And uh, kudos to Mr. and Mrs. Sager for avoiding the multiple birthday party 
problem. That was, uh, like you said, good planning. And uh, we thank everyone for listening. And we'll see you next week. Talk to you later, John. All right. See you next week. <laughs>